gotta record now. Yeah. Good evening to you guys. Good to see you guys. Hope everything's good on y'all's end. stream these videos it's um you know not like when we're in church normally i don't i'm not able to keep a bottle of water and so my throat gets dry so now i can i keep this bottle with me and get some drinks every once in a while so you guys be turning to um the book of jonah uh tonight uh for those of you that are, are already on and we can get we can get situated there oh there was one thing i wanted to say too uh, while while everybody's getting on and, and getting getting the uh, the book found and and marking their spot, um, I don't know how many of you participated in the uh, the entertainment fast from last month. Um, obviously, that's over now. I meant to say something about it last week, uh, but I was just going to congratulate any of you that did participate in that. Um, um, I I did, and and it was. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of difficult not having uh, certain things that I just am normally used to having, uh, television and, and phone and, gang, you know, just whatever, you know, uh, being able to uh, uh, set those aside. Uh, it was uh, it was good fast. It really was really good fast. Everybody's getting on. As I said before, good to see everybody. We're in the uh, we're going to. Uh, be in the book of Jonah tonight. And uh, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here in just a minute before, you know, here after we pray, of course. Um, and then we'll we'll get into it. Uh, but let's go ahead and pray and then we'll start. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us be here tonight, God, once again for this service. Father, we're just thankful, Father. We're thankful to be alive. Lord. We're thankful to uh, to be doing your work, Lord, and to, to be a president and accounted for in the kingdom. And Father, we just we're, we're about kingdom business, Father God, and I just pray that you'll help us, Lord, to, to zero in and focus on your word, Lord, and to, to glean, God, what we can from it, Lord. I pray that you speak to us tonight, encourage us and strengthen us, Father God, and help us, Father God, in the areas that we're weak, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, I wanted to read a couple of scriptures. Um, uh, talking about um, a couple of different things. Um, you know, one thing that always comes up as a common topic, especially in uh, uh, Pentecostal church, especially, you know, if you're if you're a full Bible believing individual, then, you know, you believe in spiritual warfare. It is something I've talked about often. Um, we've done messages on it. Pastor done messages on it. Uh, spiritual warfare is a real thing. It's a real thing. Um, and I wanted to read some some scriptures to you tonight, and I'm not asking you to turn there. I just want you to listen to the scripture. Uh, the scriptures are going to kind of lay a, a picture, give us a picture of kind of what we're going to be talking about. 
some of these scriptures are going to be very familiar, and I'm going to ask you a couple questions after I read these scriptures. Uh, John 8 and 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, you ever quoted that one before? Romans 12 and 21, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Romans 8 and 37, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's not the entire scripture, but that's the part that normally gets quoted. Uh, and from Isaiah um, 54, 17. So those scriptures are just a couple in a long list of things that that are scriptures that I've used personally. And I'm sure that you have, too, when you are engaged in warfare, when you've been uh, when you've been dealing with certain things and dealing with issues and dealing with life. I'm sure those are scriptures that you have quoted uh, from time to time. I know I've quoted uh, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Why did I quote that? So I can stay focused, you know, to, to really know where my help comes from, uh, to to be able to get uh, refocused on, on God as it's so easy to get lost in uh, the, the things that we deal with from a day-to-day basis. I said that to really to come and say this, is that what is the full extent of warfare? I mean, what is it? What does it all entail? What What is everything that, that takes place? And then, I mean, the extent is, uh, it's, it's long, and I don't even know if we can fully fathom uh, the extent of warfare. To simply say that, that that warfare is is just simply spiritual it's unseen we don't ever see what actually goes on um therefore it's kind of out of sight out of mind it's not it's not the case um spiritual things as you've heard me say before spiritual things they start in the spirit realm and then they ultimately manifest themselves in the physical realm so what i'm what what that means is is that you know yes there are things that go on in the spirit realm but in, in the end they ultimately end up manifesting themselves physically, and then you have warfare not only in the spirit realm, but then you've got warfare in the physical. Um, you have things that actually are going on that are serious and real struggles that you are dealing with on a daily basis. Warfare, and so warfare. You know, when I start talking, when I talk about warfare tonight, I, I don't want you to just—it's not just from the spiritual perspective. But understand that it is spiritual warfare, but it is also the things that you are dealing with from a day to day basis, everything from work all the way uh, to relationships and all in between spiritual warfare. And the, the things that, that you deal with, probably not things that you voice or probably not things that you speak about, things about family, uh, internal things that are inside of you that you could probably classify as warfare. Something that you are struggling with, something that you are taking God's word and you are constantly putting it into that situation and speaking into it, praying about it, petitioning God about it. That's warfare. That's warfare. And I wanted to make sure that I clarified that because I think sometimes that we think that warfare is just the binding the devil kind of warfare. That's true. It is. That is. That is warfare. 
is spiritual warfare binding up the enemy and taking authority over him absolutely but that's not necessarily what i'm speaking about a lot of times these struggles when they are manifest in the physical realm it's very much a, it's very much war right here and right now if some of you are dealing with health problems or health situations uh, that's warfare uh warfare right there in front of you you're dealing with it on a daily basis uh some of you may have even quoted some of these scriptures um concerning your problems and so tonight when we are talking about warfare i want you to kind of let your mind go and let your spirit uh unlock from just thinking about warfare being about one particular thing or one particular avenue don't attach spiritual warfare uh to just binding up the devil and and then resisting the devil and watching him flee Warfare is very broad and it entails a lot of things. There are a lot of things that you and I go through that are warfare. It's 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 war. It's war on planet Earth. It's it's war from start to finish. Uh, some of you, you know, you go through your day and you, you come home and you think that was a war. Now, I didn't go to work today. I went to a war. There, there, there are things that go on in your, your homes, in your households, uh, within those relationships, in the framework of family uh, that you could probably identify as warfare. You say it's, it's like a war uh, in my home. Some people can identify with that. Um, so there's a very, a very real war that's going on. So, so what happens, though? So when we start talking about what uh, what is the extent of warfare, you know, how far does this thing really go? Well, like like all war, you know, if, when when individuals are engaged in war, things happen because of war. Um, things uh, sometimes you're injured. You look at our heroes in the military. Uh, them engaged in, in warfare, some of them coming back missing parts of their body. Um, I have the highest regard for these men and women who serve in the military and the armed forces that protect our country. And I always get emotional when I talk about it because um, because of their heroism and the, the fact that they're willing to lay down everything in order to protect us. Some of them don't come back whole people because of the sacrifice that they have chosen uh, to uh, put down for me, my family, and for this country. Highest regard for these individuals. I said that because um, in when we're fighting our own wars within ourselves, um, much in the same way, you can sustain injuries from warfare. And, and I want to specify what that would look like. It's much like a scar. It's a scar. You know, when you, you we go through things and we deal with things and then we have an open wound. When you get cut, there's a, there's a, there's a gash there. If you get cut on the arm, there's a gash on your arm. And then over time, as time goes on and that thing begins to heal, it begins to kind of come back together again, but there's still a scar there. 
And there's something kind of weird about scar tissue because scar tissue is like super sensitive and sometimes and sometimes it's numb. Uh, it's not exactly put together the way that it was before. It's it's healed, but yet there's still there evidence that there was once an injury. And I would venture to say that some of you in the, the, the lives that you live, in the warfare that you've been through in your life, some of you have sustained some scars over the years. You've sustained some, some scar tissue from battle. Uh, you have some things that remind you uh, and, and very much at times even still very real to you about the things that you've endured and things that you've been through, scars. Scars that remind you and you remember. You still have the emotions of dealing with those things some of you still currently dealing with those things. Some of you have situations that you're that you're going through that are still connected to some scar years back. And and you still you still wear those things. You're still wearing them. You're still dealing with them. And and, and I want to be as particular as I can. And I, and I want to lay this out here carefully because I want you to, first of all, understand that. Absolutely. Everything that you need is within Christ. And all of your peace, your joy, um, the, the kind of healing that we need, it's in Christ. Absolutely. Everything is in him. But here's the thing that I want to make sure that I, I lay out tonight. And I, I want us all to understand. This is what God had given me is that we are real people. We are real people, real flesh and blood. We've got we have real bodies that feel real emotions. We feel them. And I think as, as Christians, and I know that I have fallen in, into this, at times, this way of thinking about these scars and these things that, that I have in my own personal life. As, as I have accelerated and pushed towards God, that I'm still a real person. I still feel pain. I experience depression. I experience things that at times it even makes me feel guilty. And that's the thing that I want to address is that sometimes Christians feel guilty for feeling like real people. And that's kind of weird. Why would I feel guilty about feeling like a real person? I think it's a good thing to feel. Let me say that up front. I think it's a really good thing to be able to feel and to feel emotions and to feel things. We shouldn't deny what we feel. We're real people with real emotions. And see, God understands that. God understands that. Sometimes I think that as Christians, we try to lace our victory in denying the way that we feel. No, I don't feel that way. No, nope. I don't feel I don't feel depressed. No, I don't feel depressed at all. And I'm I'm absolutely all for faith and the faith approach. But there is a correct way to approach it. And the first thing that we all have to understand is that we have to confront and face the real us. That means that means coming face to face with the broken parts of us, coming face to face with the parts of us that we're not really agreeable with. Um, there's a fine line, a fine line between um, speaking forth something in faith against something that we're currently dealing with and then being in just total denial. That's very important. 
There's, there's a fine line there. And, and we have to we have to be able to confront what it is that we're dealing with emotionally inside of this because of the wars and the things that we've been through, the things that we've dealt with and the things that we're currently going through now. It's very important that we're not in a state of denial about warfare, that we're not in a state of denial about the effects of war. The, the, the toll that it takes on us. Hey, can, can we agree tonight that this whole thing with the coronavirus in the way that it has affected the dynamic of the family, the dynamic of the church, the dynamic of our nation has taken its toll on us? Amen. I think it has. I, I say that it has. There would be some that would, and there's there is even a temptation inside of me to say, oh, no, no, it doesn't bother me at all. No, I'm not affected by that. No, no, I've got the victory and I do have the victory. That's absolutely true. But I'd be lying if I told you it hadn't taken its toll on me. So you understand what I'm saying. I'm not in denial of victory. I'm not in denial of my spiritual my spiritual plight and where I belong spiritually. I absolutely belong in the place of victory. I absolutely have won everything and every battle that's ever in front of me. I, I completely understand that. But we cannot be in denial also of the things that we're going through and the way that it is affecting us, the way that it's affecting us. And it, what it does is, is it causes us to have wounds. We get wounded. Things happen to us. Um, we see things differently. We see things um, from a different angle and, and, and maybe we're never the same again. And maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing, but we're not the same people that we were before. And now we have scars to show the things that we've been through. And some of them are still sensitive. Some of them are, are not quite healed all the way yet. Some of them are, are, are scabbed over. Now, forgive me for the for the, the bit of detail, but I think that we need to understand this tonight. Some of them are not quite where they, you know, not even quite fully scarred yet. They're still, they're still wounds and we're still feeling the pain from that. I'm telling you this tonight for this reason is that Christians should not feel guilty. You should not feel guilty. You should not feel defeated. You should not feel as though something is wrong when you have emotions and you have these, um, these uh, maybe uh, maybe times of of anger, maybe times of de depression, maybe times of frustration. I think Christians at times feel guilty because of that. But before I can even get into the text tonight, you have got to understand that you are a real person with real feelings and have real situations that you deal with on a day to day basis. That's real warfare. That's real warfare. Do you have the victory? Of course you do. But see, you already know that, though. I'm not telling you in that sense something that you don't already know. You already know that you have the victory. So for me, just to reiterate that is not actually going to do you any good. What you what you need to hear me say is that it's OK to feel that way sometimes. It's OK to go through those range of emotions and, and to, to at times stare at those scars and think, man. Well, I wish I didn't have to go through that. I wish that would have never happened. Yep. That's real life. That's real life stuff. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I'm here. 
but I know that there's something ahead. There's something ahead. So we stay focused and we, we keep moving forward. Okay. So I read those scriptures and we've talked about the extent of the warfare and the, the scars and, and uh, the real people having real emotions. So what I want you to do tonight is I want you to, to, to look at the book of Jonah. And we're going to, uh, you're obviously, if you've been in any time in church, you, you are familiar with the book of Jonah. But I'm not going to follow the traditional trek uh, on this. I'm actually going to, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and we're starting uh, chapter one. And then we're going to make a quick jump. So uh, jo- the book of Jonah, uh, chapter one. Verse one. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, if you've ever done any kind of studying at all on this, there's this is a first of all, it's a it's a bit of a contradiction. Uh, because uh, Nineveh was capital of the Assyrian Empire. So Syrian Empire uh, has uh, Israelites captive. And so to tell Jonah to go and cry it against her, first of all, is a contradiction to the way he would naturally feel because he actually gives us a hint about the way he feels about the situation in verse 3. And they, the, the Assyrian Empire was not treating them well. They were not treating uh, any any of the, pe- the people well at all. And so I'm sure over time, as Jonah had seen this, even him being a prophet, this probably did not fit well with him in the way that his in the way that he perceived them and the way that he viewed them. Now, let's first of all, let's make sure we understand he is a prophet of God. God is has asked him. He said, I want you to to go to Nineveh and I want you to cry out against them. Now, this, the second thing is this. When when you're going to go cry out against somebody, especially in this day and time, you was called to cry out against them. That means you are you are going to bring to them and uh, their sin. And you're going to shine light on it. That's not a real popular thing to do. So you got a twofold thing here. He's being asked. He's asked. He's being asked to, number one, go to people he doesn't like. And number two, he's asked to bring their sin to them and to show them what they're doing. So you can just imagine, you know, where he's at in his head and in within himself. This is a struggle. And it's shown here in verse three. Now look what he does. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a, a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and he went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So what's he doing? He's running. And I think I think when we we look at these scriptures, we will will miss that fact and just think, well, he just he was just running from God. That's true. But it wasn't just the fact that he was running from God. He was running from the request. Had he given him something else to do, he probably wouldn't have thought twice about it. But the request put him in a predicament and it put him in a situation. And and I, I thought this would be a great time to make this point. God doesn't, when he asks us to do things and, and, and I'm not speaking necessarily from the angle of 
speaking to you in your prayer closet. I'm talking about speaking to you from his word. Um, I'll give you an example. It's kind of like, you know, when you look at God's word and he says, uh, I want you to forgive people who have wronged you. Easier said than done. It's, that's that's kind of hard. You know, it's, it's great to talk about it in church. I mean, that's fantastic. It's great to hear the, 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 the preacher talk about it and, and to talk about how we need to forgive people. And if we would forgive people, then God would forgive us. And that's great, you know. But then here comes the time when something happens to you and you've been offended. And you've been wronged. And then you actually have to forgive somebody. And that's, that's easier said than done. And so I try to put myself in his shoes and I try to kind of look at what he's doing. And, and it's easy to paint Jonah as, the, as kind of like a villain here and to say, oh, man, I can't believe you'd run from God. You know, God's telling you to do this and you should have you should have went and did what you were told. Well, I don't think we're a lot different than him. And I honestly think that we've probably done pretty much the same thing. God comes to us and he speaks something to us in his word. He asks us either to forgive or whatever the situation is. And we just simply can't do it. We just we just simply cannot bring ourselves to do it. Maybe it takes us weeks, months, sometimes years to finally do what it is that God's word is asking us to do. So I don't think that we're too far away from being able to relate to Jonah's situation. But what I wanted you to understand before we move forward is that this is not just a straightforward situation and that the reason that he is running is not just a, from a from a simple disobedient standpoint. He's got a lot of emotions. He's got a lot of things built up inside of him that are conflicting with what God is asking him to do. And I want to I want to bring that out from the uh, perspective of warfare. He is already engaging in an internal war within himself. There's a war going on inside. You know, do I follow God? And do I do what, I, what I'm supposed to do? But I can't stand these people. I, I don't I don't want to be around these people. I don't like these people. I don't want to have nothing to do with this. I don't want I don't want them knowing uh, or, or being connected with with my God. No, I don't. I don't. I don't want to do that. That's not. That's not what I want to do. And so, I can kind of understand where he's coming from. I can kind of get um, his perspective. So you understand that there's there's some internal things going on here. Now I'm going to do a fast forward because we we're, we're going to fast forward. We know that um, he gets he's on the ship. There's a massive storm, a storm that God sent by the way, uh, that ultimately leads to him being thrown overboard. We know that he's swallowed by a whale. We know that he's he's in this belly of the whale. This is where he repents. After he repents, he spit up on shore, given a second opportunity, which I believe is in chapter 3, which leads us to the end of chapter 3. And if you'll turn there, I want you to turn to um, chapter 3, verse 10. And that's where we're going to start. So all of these things have happened. He's, the whale scene is, is over with. And obviously that's what Jonah is most popular in, uh, for in the word is, is his experience in the whale. And obviously there's a ton to learn from that. Um, but what I want to point out is the way he dealt with this and his emotional state when it comes to dealing 
with what he was asked to do and what's in front of him. And so verse 10 of chapter three says this, and God saw their works and they turned from their evil way. Remember now Jonah's already went and he's already said, Hey, God's going to, you know, he's going to blow this place away. And I'm just, I'm saying that loosely. He's going to blow this place away. If you guys don't, you know, quit sinning. And so they do, they stop. And God repented of the evil. And he, uh, that he said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. Okay. So they repented and God said, repented and everybody backed up. And then, so all good. Right. I mean, that's good. Jonah did what he was supposed to do. Um, he come out of the belly of a whale. I can't even imagine. So he comes out of this, this whale and he's got this new lease on life. He's got this new perspective, right? And so he does what he's supposed to do. And it comes to chapter four, verse one, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. Guys dealing with some stuff right here, right there. He's got some stuff going on. So, I mean, he, he was obedient. He did what he was supposed to do. But what did that do? I mean, he did what he was supposed to do, yet it led to anger and displeasure. Now, the reason I said that we can relate to Jonah is because how many times, just answer this to yourself, how many times has God done stuff for you, gave to you, spoiled you, did what it was that you needed him to do, you were obedient. He fulfilled his promise and did everything he was supposed to do. But yet we still find ourselves on the other side of anger, aggravation and depression. Life is not an easy life to live. Things happen. Situations go on. Now there's something going on inside of Jonah and he's going to, he's in God, what God is going to do, he's going to do something really interesting here. He's going to make him confront it. Okay. So he says, and look, look at, look at verse two. Remember, we're talking about what's going on inside of him. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray you, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Notice there, there is a question mark. There's a question mark there. That means he asked a question to the Lord. Basically, it's, it's kind of sarcastic, and he's trying to kind of derive an answer, uh, uh, basically, so he can make a point, which you never get to make a point before the Lord. The Lord always gets to make a point to you. So <laughs> you look at what he does here. And he says, was this not my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before unto Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious God. What do we have here? We actually have a little bit of confession about what he was thinking at the very beginning with a little bit of insight because he said i knew that you were a gracious god and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and you would repent of the evil but he said i knew the kind of god that you were and that's not the kind of god that i wanted them to meet what kind of, think about it. What version of God did he want them to meet? The wrathful one. That's the one that he wanted them to meet. It's like these people, they don't deserve or need to, to know who you are from the merciful side. 
they need to see the wrathful side. They need to see the angry side. They need to see the the the, the fire and brimstone. God, that's who they need to meet. And so, you know, I'm looking at his attitude, right? You know, I'm looking at his attitude right now. And he's now remember, now remember the way verse two starts. It says he he's praying this. This is his prayer. He's praying this. He's like, now I knew that you was a good God, and that's why I didn't want to go. Struggle. He's he's not happy because of the things that he's got going on. So he's not happy about this. He's not happy that the Lord has spared them. He's not happy about this. He's he's upset. He's frustrated. Now, look at verse three. Therefore, now, I, Lord, O Lord, take, I beseech you, my life for me, for it is better for me to die than to live. I've done a little bit of research on this, and we're not, we're not sure how long this event transpired uh, from the time that he spared them to the time that, you know, he's, he's crying, you know, praying this prayer. Um, you would assume that it was like eight to ten hours, you know, like, like. The same day, but there's been some research in verse three actually indicates that he slipped off even farther than he was at the beginning and that he's actually reached the point of I don't even want to live anymore. I just want to be done with the whole thing. I, I'm, I'm done. I'm finished. I, I, do, I don't even want to mess with this. And I ask myself and I think. He's got a lot of anger built up. Um, he's got a lot of emotions going on right now. He's got some stuff that he has not ever faced. He has got some, and it's coming out. It's just like boiling out. Here it is right here. It's all coming out. Uh, what is really going on inside of him What and, and what he feels towards them. And that forgiveness was not an option. That was not the direction that he wanted to go. How many times have you have you experienced things and you've been through things that you know that you didn't want to go through? I mean, you you dealt with them. I mean, now I'm going back to scars again because obviously I don't know the history that in totality where, where he was coming from, but obviously we know the history of the Syrian Empire and, and, and the way that they treated these people, and obviously this left some scars in Jonah. I mean, there's some there's maybe impossible some open wounds here. And I mean, for him to come to the point where he's so upset that he says, take my life from me. It was better for me just to be dead. That's that's out there. That's that's out there. So he's he's frustrated. But I want you to understand this because this is coming. This is boiling out. This is he's letting this all come out right before God. Everything um, is, is coming out. Uh, to him in this prayer so verse four he gets a response and he says then said the lord do you well to be angry now you may think in verse four now it's just me i kind of look at things a little bit differently and i've looked at verse four and i've looked at that in different translations and i'll tell you what verse four means verse four is saying is it beneficial to you to be angry He's not asking him why he's angry. Think about that. And there's a vast difference. 
Because why? Well, you could have. What, what if you would have just said, "You have no right to be angry." Well, that can't really be the case because he's a real human, right? He's a real person. He's a real person dealing with real emotions. He knows. God knows the history. He knows it. He knows where that this anger. He knows where it comes from. He knows where it's derived from. So he doesn't necessarily come at him from the angle and, and, and say, almost like he's saying, you know, shame on you for having anger. No. He said, does it benefit you to be angry about this? And the reason I'm saying that is because we've got to stop. We've got to, we've got to change our perspective about those, those things that come to us when we do feel things that, are contradictive to God's word that we've maybe we go into a day and we are just flat depressed. And some of you uh, that are on here struggle with depression on a daily basis. And then when you deal with it and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been going through it. And then when you have one of those days, all of a sudden here comes the guilt. Well, I shouldn't feel that way. I should not feel that way. But you do. But you do. And there's no denying that. There's obviously, and, and God was not denying that he was angry. We're not, we're talking about the benefit. Does this, does this benefit you? Does this help you? And obviously the answer is no. This does not help me. This does not benefit me at all. But it's there. So this is perspective, all right? So he's bringing, he's laying some new parameters. Obviously, Jonah's parameters like way out here. So what God is doing, he's bringing these parameters in and he's setting some new boundaries. He's setting some new guidelines in, that, in which he needs to operate from. And so, so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shallow till he might see what would become of the city. I never heard an answer. Let me double check. Yeah, no, verse four wasn't a statement. It was a question. He never answered. You say he's, you know, you know, think about this. You know, when you're when you're angry and you're really upset and, and your spouse asks you a question and you just walk away, you don't give an answer. Right. This is kind of like what's going on here. You know, you're just you're just you're, you're you've had enough. You're tired. You're worn out. And, and then a question is asked. And you're like, you know what? I don't want to say anything. This is exactly what Jonah is doing. He's walking off. He should be. He should be answering the question, because the question is going to lead somewhere. God is trying to lead him somewhere. And he says, "No, I don't. I don't want to answer that question." He's saying, "Confront this. Confront it. Face up to it." And 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 as God asks him to confront the anger that he feels towards these people, he says, "No, I'm gonna go sit on the hill and I'm gonna hope." My fingers crossed. I hope you blow him out of the way. Think about this. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the uh, when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise and God prepared a behemoth east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die. There's the die thing again. And said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, do you well to be angry for the gourd? Now, remember, once again, he's bringing 
anger back to the front again. And why is he doing that? Because he knows we ain't going nowhere until you realize that this is real. This is what you're dealing with. So he's he's bringing anger back into it. He's not going to let him. He's not going to let this go. You know, I, I would think, you know, of all the things you could be talking about, I'm thinking I'm trying to think from God's angle. Saying, you know, you could give him a pep talk and send him on his way. And you could you could do a lot of things to say to Jonah. I mean, there's like a million different things that you could say. I mean, you could have even said, good job. Thank you for doing what I told you to do. Sorry that you're angry, but you'll get over it. Mm -mm. It's not what he does. What's he do? He makes him confront it. He makes him confront it. He takes him straight into it. And so when he didn't answer his question the first time, which is obvious denial, he's in denial. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to turn the other way. So he allows these events to happen and then re-asks the question in verse nine, but asks it a different way. And God said to Jonah, do you well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. <laughs> so he's, he's talking about the gourd. And, and so he's trying to get something out of him. So this, you, I can just imagine this is boiling out of him. I don't think he screamed it, but obviously it was probably stated with some sort of emphasis. And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death, meaning this thing is so powerful within me, it's going to kill me. Then said the Lord, you have had pity on the gourd for that which you had have not labored, neither made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. So he poses this question. And. I want to rephrase it just a little bit. I'm not taking the word out of context because I believe this is what was being emphasized here, which is what he was actually talking about when he said, and should not I spare Nineveh? And what he was saying there is, aren't their lives valuable also? Despite the way you feel, there's actually a bigger picture here. Despite the way you feel, there's actually more going on here than just your feelings. And this church is exactly where we have to find ourselves. We come to this place within ourselves and we have to understand that there's more going on in a much bigger picture than just the way we feel on a day to day basis. I'm telling you this because I believe that there's a lot of people in the church that are what I would call even disabled. And I say that with respect and I understand that they're spiritually disabled. They're out there. They're not able to do what they need to be doing because of the things that have taken place that have taken them out of the game. It's taken them out, whether they've endured some hardship, whether they went through some some serious warfare in their life that has brought them to this point. And because of that warfare, they've sustained some injuries, some scarring and some things have taken place and has, has taken them out of the game. And so what we do 
as a hardwiring is we're hardwired to do this. <coughs> we only think about ourselves, especially when we're in pain and we're dealing with things. We have a tendency only to think about ourselves. And so the picture that is actually quite broad becomes quite narrow. And the only thing we can see is our plight. That's it. That's the only thing that we can see is our health issues, our health problems, our lack of finances, our lack of, of, of things, our warfare, not anyone else's warfare, my warfare. My war is more strenuous than yours is. I've seen more wartime than you have. You'll make it. You'll be fine because you hadn't been through what I've been through. You see what war will do to you? War will change your mentality. War will change the way that you view even other people and what they go through. And if you're not careful, you'll start to get hard. I think it's safe to say that Jonah was a bit hard. That he had went through some things emotionally and the way that he viewed uh, the Ninevites and the way that he viewed the Assyrian Empire. And if you do your homework, you can't blame him. You think, you know, it's easy you know, to read the story. If you if you never research that, it's so easy to read the story and think, well, you should have gotten your act together and you should have been more obedient. And I can't believe you're angry. Look at God did. And all I can do after researching it and actually seeing how they treated these people and and I mean, slaves. And then I start to understand a little bit from his angle why he was so angry. And so be careful not to look at someone else. And, and, and to think, well, he hadn't been through what I've been through. You know, war's war. It's tough. And it's uh, dramatic. And it has lasting effects on us. But I've, I've said all of this to, to, to say this and to bring it to this point. Even though you're going through things, even though you're dealing with depression, even though you're going through uh, things that you probably have never even voiced to people uh, maybe even voice to the person sitting next to you. A lot of what you go through and a lot of warfare is internal. Uh, a lot of the warfare that you and I deal with is right here, right here. And some of those things will never come out. Um, and, and sometimes it's just better that they don't. But the way that we keep moving forward and the way that we are not taken out is that we understand the question that God is challenging Jonah with here. In that, aren't there more lives valuable than just yours and your people? Are there more things going on here? And is the picture bigger than just the way you feel? The answer is yes. We're engaged in war day to day. And sometimes you look for a reason to get up, to keep it moving. And if the only reason, though, that we get up every morning and the only reason that we do what we do for the kingdom of God is because we feel good about it, then we might be really disappointed quickly and easily because this is not just about the way that you and I feel, but we have to seek the Lord to give us the direction to see the big picture. And, you know, I asked the Lord, I said, you know, we're kind of, it's kind of a different message tonight. You're bringing a message, you know, I'd like to kind of, I'd like to tell you guys that it is going to be all right. 
concerning your situation. And it is, and it will, just so long as you keep fighting and, and stay in, stay in uh, the warfare, stay going. But at the end of the day, we have to realize that there's more going on than just us and that you're needed. You're needed and you're valuable. You're needed in multiple places. People need you. People need the word that you're going to give them. You, they need the encouragement that you're going to give them. They need um, the, uh, the, the, the mere presence of you being there and putting your arm around them. And, and at times you feel like, oh, there's just, you know, I'm worthless and I don't really have anything. And I've been dealing with these situations for years and years and I don't feel like I have any worth anymore. It's absolutely not true. You're absolutely needed. You're absolutely worth um, everything to God. And so I hope that you're encouraged by this. And I, and I hope that at the same time that you are looking at this differently now. And I hope that you're willing to, to look at the things that you're dealing with face to face. I hope that you're willing to confront them. I hope when the Lord challenges you that you don't just simply walk away from it. And that you just disregard it. But that you take the challenge and that you look straight into it and you confront it, whatever that is. Hope that you guys have enjoyed this message tonight. Um, we uh, we are still obviously doing the uh, uh, services uh, outside on Sundays and, and uh, streaming this until we have uh, a better uh, opportunity to get back in and have a better game plan. Um, but as of right now, it's it's working and it's good, so we're going to stick with it. So I appreciate you guys being on tonight. I'm going to pray a prayer uh, as we are dismissing and. For those of you that know what I'm talking about, I hope in this prayer that we can go ahead and we're going to confront these things, um, deal with these things. Uh, this is not a it's not a message on psychology, but it is very much a, a message about confrontation with self. Confrontation with self. So let's pray this prayer. Father, thank you for tonight, Lord. And and Father, I just pray that this word would penetrate us. And Father, that we see the value that you've placed on our lives, Father God, and help us to, to get away from the tunnel vision of our own perspectives, Lord God, and our own our own ideas about uh, what we've been through and, and, and what other people are going through, Lord God, that we understand that there's that we're needed in the kingdom and that we're, that, that we're highly valuable in the kingdom, Lord, and that you've got things for us to do. And Father, I pray that, that as we deal with these situations, as we deal with these emotions, Lord God, that you would encourage us and help us, Father God, to, to keep marching for you, Lord God, to, to stand on your word, Lord God, in, in, in the midst of turmoil, to stand on your word, Father God, when the enemy lies to us. Father God, I just thank you for tonight, Lord, and I thank you for your word, Father, and I thank you for truth, and I thank you for the ability to stand. Thank you for that tonight, Father, and I just pray for each individual that's on here tonight, God, that we... Uh, that, that, that they be encouraged, Lord, and Father, that we that we continue this fight with you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being on here tonight. Can't wait to see you uh, Sunday. If you're not able to be here, uh, be at the, the church Sunday for the outside service, If you, you can tune in and, and stream with us. And then, uh, obviously, we will see you back here uh, next Wednesday night. Thank you, guys. Love you. God bless you. Thank you.